I'm honored and excited to announce that I want to know has their first sponsors. First, Dr. James McIntyre and his team at Adjust Your Health in North Calgary. When I met Dr. James almost 20 years ago, I was taking a bucket load of Advil every week just to get through my day, like 16 to 20 a day. Not to mention the alcohol and other substances I would take at night so that I could sleep. I suffered from chronic back pain due to car accidents, sports injuries, and repetitive motion damage from being uh, in the drywall industry. I worked in the trades for nearly 20 years, had more than 10 car accidents, three very serious ones, and some severe sports-related injuries. Most of the chiros I saw could only give me temporary relief. I was, uh, it was getting expensive and very depressing to know that I would see some of these chiros and only get temporary relief, but wake up the next morning in pain. I was lucky that the last chiro I saw said she couldn't help me and directed me to Dr. James McIntyre. After only a few visits, I felt tremendously better. Most of my pain had left, my mobility was coming back, and I didn't need as much Advil. If I remember right, it was only a few months, and I was almost completely off the pills. Life was getting better. I've known Dr. James and his crew for almost 18 years. I've referred almost everyone I know to him, and they have become Adjust Your Health advocates. The team at Adjust Your Health offers a wide array of services, including acupuncture, massage therapy, chiropractic, and physiotherapy. They believe in a multidisciplinary approach to patient care and use a variety of techniques to help the patient achieve their goals, from pain relief or injury resolution to improving sports performance. Calgary is very privileged to have such a highly qualified team of practitioners available to accommodate your health and well-being needs. If you are in pain or an athlete or just want to be as healthy as possible, check them out at www.com. A-Y-H-Calgary.com. Our next sponsor is Paul Nye, an amazing artist out of Verdre, Alberta. I've admired his artwork for years. He's been mostly doing airbrush work to customize motorbikes, cars, boats, hard hats, and signs. The work is stunning to see. You can get all your custom work done with Paul at Reaper Creations at 3700 McCool Street, Crossfield, Alberta, just a half hour north of Calgary. That's not all. I don't want to take the light away from his airbrushing, but his tattoos are out of this world. His ability to bring tattoos to life with shading and color will astound you. The skill set he has as an airbrush artist transferred seamlessly to tattooing. You can get your next tattoo with Paul at Shellshock Tattoo and Piercings at 920 36th Street, Northeast Calgary. We have featured some of his art on our YouTube video, and we have had him on the podcast. Paul is second to none as an artist and a person. You can also check out his art at Nice Tats or Nice Touch on Facebook and Instagram. And now, on with the show. I want No. Podcast. With Chad Ferguson. Hey everybody, it's Chad and I Want to Know Podcast, a kick-ass podcast. I'm here today with Jason Fredrickson, a local comic, a dad, an IT guy. Mm -hmm. How's it going? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. I'm so looking forward to uh, going to see your show tonight. Yeah, it should be great. Yeah, I've been Googling you all day. Every spare minute I have, I've been watching (laughs) some of your old bits. Yeah, on the computer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How long uh, have you been doing comedy? It's... uh... 24 years since I first started. Wow. Professionally, a little less than that, but I've, uh, I actually started on this stage at the Laugh Shop 
It was the first stage I ever performed on, and I've been performing ever since. 24 years. Beautiful. 96. Yeah. You still love it? You still working hard and writing jokes? And yes. It's a love-hate relationship. There's a... <laughs> still writing jokes. You, uh, there might be some others that would argue that. But uh, <laughs> it ebbs and flows. Yeah. I, I have uh, an hour-plus material. I have my show. Awesome. I want to add to it. And there's always a little tweaks here and there. But uh, I've often been saying that, yeah, there's another hour about to come out. Awesome. It's just uh, with the, what's been going on in my life the past decade, there's a lot that I want to say. But I have to figure out what I want to say and how to say it. Yeah. So we'll we'll see how it but I love it absolutely the the road work I'm really good at sitting for long periods so I can sit in a car <laughs> or a plane or what have you and just I'm used to different crappy beds and yeah. and uh, couches and I was going to say like the comedy scene in Canada is not huge no. um, there is a scene but it's not big it's That's like right. there's probably more in LA than there is in yeah, all of Canada well, it's it's a population thing there's a in all of Across that's the, true. The the uh, Midwest, the, the East Coast, West Coast. Yeah. In the states, there's a lot of opportunity. Like if you're a road comic, you can actually survive as a road comic in Canada. Yeah. We just don't have the population to be able to. Yeah. Su- support that. Shows are too small. Well, uh, not enough. Honestly, clubs. there's there's small towns that there. Uh, I think I honestly believe that if we promoted comedy. We promoted it as an art, yeah. As that professional comedians were were something to to subscribe to, to go and see. Yeah, I think we'd be a lot more popular out in Atlantic Canada. They love comedy. Cool. Yeah, like in uh, St. John's, New Brunswick, St. John, New Brunswick. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. Yes, and no S for no one in Canada. (laughs) They they get upset. Um, In St. John, it was one of my favorite places. They had two two rooms. Wow. They had a comedy club that was Yuck Yucks. They tried to switch to another venue, and there was a, a... you know, disagreement in the, in the business approach, whatever. But it, it was able to sustain two comedy clubs yeah. for for a term. And, and that's not a big town. There's only like 30 people that live there. <laughs> it's like, it's a, it's a small city. Yeah, it yeah, is a exactly. small city. Um, oldest in Canada. I was there for Canada Day last year. That oh, was awesome. That must yeah, have been cool. Down at the harbor. And they... It rivaled Stampede, like the uh, Coca-Cola stage. Really? Like the... the, the the crowd that they brought out, everybody was there on the harbor, and it was Very just cool. It was it was a beautiful thing to just behold. I was telling you right before the podcast, we're heading there on Monday, mm-hmm. and uh, going to spend two weeks in the East Coast doing yeah. uh, Halifax Picto. Mm-hmm. We're staying in a hotel that a ten room hotel that was built in like eighteen twenty seven by King James the Fourth. Like yeah. these are the oldest parts of Canada. Yeah, this it was the it's the oldest, I believe it's the oldest city. In North America, oldest one in Canada, for sure, for yeah. sure, and yeah, it was amazing. Like from where we were, I was downtown, staying in a condo there, and it was walking distance to Kings Park, Queens Park, yeah, and like the old cemeteries, the old infrastructure that's there. Like uh, I was talking to one of the guys, um, like just down the hall. There's a Rogue Coffee Shop, which is a really cool place to go. And then there was uh, the Five and Dime, real cool pub where you, he, they had beers on tap from local source. And then all across Canada, they kept Very rotating cool. it. And they played vinyl. The music they played was on records only. 
it was awesome old style DJ yeah and and he he gave me there there was two major fires in St. John and he was able to point out with the infrastructure in that building where it was he's like here's these rocks down here that's from the ballast from the ships that first arrived here yeah from England I'm like like it just the the history it's steeped yeah. in history yeah, and yeah. he's like and up to this point uh everything burned down on the first great fire and then there was another fire uh more recently where there was a um it was a furniture warehouse fire a guy left a cigarette burning in, <laughs> in an easy easy boy yeah lazy boy and uh and it burned it down and he's like but uh in the building what was really cool is he's like, look up, and I look up, and there's cinders still on the the, the beams. Oh wow! Like he said, yeah, still they, structurally sound. Still but structurally sound. They, they just built around it. They used it still, yeah. but it was just it was yeah charcoal part on the out, outside of it. It was just it was amazing. We we met the guy that owns this hotel in New Brunswick, and he was mm-hmm. talking about the rebuild there and and some other things. I'm in yeah. construction, so I, I love buildings, and I have a regular job too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the Historica downtown. They're they're uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Re, re, the beautification, revitalizing. It. Yeah, yeah. They own a, a large majority of it, and they're they're building it up using the existing facades of the buildings yeah and then gutting the mountain and rebuilding them and it's just so cool it's gorgeous the, yeah. the condo we stayed in actually i have something on uh, my youtube channel where i stayed at the, the condo it's a, one of the most beautiful places that i've ever been able to stay in when yeah. i when i was in a in a city doing shows i was gonna ask how often do you tour across <laughs> canada how many shows do you do a year how many days on the road um I try and get it, get out like a couple times a month at least is is ideal. Yeah. Because I have a day job and I have other obligations and priorities with my children, with my family, um, other comedians. Yeah, it's a point of contention for some people. <laughs> Someone like Louis Black said, he goes, there's a point in his life he knew he couldn't have a family yeah. because he wanted to be successful in yeah. the entertainment industry. <clears throat> and so it's a it's a difficult balance. You do sacrifice a lot of what you want to do with your passion with stand-up comedy um i i don't travel there's guys that are on the road you know six eight weeks at a time yeah i was just thinking about it like i can't think of many comics that do have kids there's some like big headliners that mm-hmm. have managed families but they had some of them after yeah they, they've had some like tv shows have taken off that give them that financial right. stability and then they can you know build off of that and not have to do it as often but, that's right and you have to have the right family too like to be away that, yes that's exactly <laughs> it like i can't say that uh my divorce had nothing to do with uh being me away, being, being away. <laughs> it, in a, to a lesser degree it did like, yeah. it, it does apply a strain on a relationship any sort of relationship that way even if you do bring them along yeah that's difficult to do when you're and traveling. expensive mm-hmm. it is yeah if you're flying solo then it's it's a it's a different beast you can live in couches you can live out of a car yeah you can do things like that. You don't want to. That's not a, that's not a way to live. <laughs> no. But to get on a stage, that's where that's where everybody that's where comedians thrive. Is it like that's why we do it? Is right. to get that to get those laughs while we're on stage. I, I got a buddy because you're talking about sleeping on couches. He does uh, music. He tours uh, Ryan McMahon tours across mm-hmm. Canada. Um, I say he's like an alternative folk type guy like rock and roll okay. type guy um, but that's what he does he sets up wherever town he's playing his show in he sets up like a house concert 
And then he sleeps on their couch, does a concert, sleeps on their couch, goes and does the show, and then shifts himself off to the next one. But um, he just usually asks for, you know, can you get 10 or 15 friends together to all pitch in 10, 15 bucks and and let me sleep on your couch? Stay for my stay. He does this amazing show. Like he's. It's a treat. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if you could do that in a house. Can you do comedy in a house? (laughs) You can. (laughs) Actually, if you've seen Maria Bamford's new special on Netflix. Oh, right. She starts. I really love. Uh, it was for her mom and dad, wasn't it? It started off, she was doing it for herself. She was doing it in the mirror and oh, responding wow. as herself. And it grew to a small tip for her her partner, her husband, yeah. and the, their dog in the living room. <laughs> and then it grew to another living room where there was more people in there. And then it was a bowling alley where she was doing it in front of the lanes <laughs> for the people. And then it grew into She's a small so venue, like a coffee shop venue, or I went from coffee shop then bowling alley. It, it, and it just grew until it was a, uh, not stadium, but it was a soft seat theater. Okay. And then it grew back. Like it, it was, it was a the story unfolded, and it was very, really artistic. It was really well very done. Cool. And uh, with how she did it, it just it really. Yeah, it it brought me through a lot of memories of shows (laughs) I have done. I have done it for people in a living room. Before I actually became a comedian, there's a a buddy. He's like, yeah, why don't you do your show? Because I was working on it before I actually started comedy. I had jokes that I was working out. He said, well, let's, let's see what you have. I've been I've been show. seriously thinking about it. I've been sort of writing stuff down and just mm-hmm. no, like not actually writing, writing because I'm, I'm not even there yet. But thinking about that, I'm like, if I gotta go on stage right. and do one crappy joke as you know as a, a new guy, mm-hmm. I'm like, this is gonna suck. But I think that's sort it's of the tough. ticket, isn't it's it? Five minutes at a time, <laughs> three <laughs> minutes in some places. Wow, so open with your closer. Yeah. yeah. So how long uh, since you've done like open mics and stuff like that? Like how long have you been like touring, touring? Oh wow. Um, I would say since about 04, 05, yeah. 2004, 2005. That's right after you won, uh, Calgary Comedian of the Year. Yeah, that was, that was around house. 2002. And those contests, I found through time that they, you know, when they come around, you think, oh, wow, this is the contest of contests. Yeah. But then you find out that different venues put on their own different <laughs> comedians of the place. And it's like, oh, okay. I've won it a couple times. Yeah. Uh, one in 02, another one in uh, 09. It was a, and that was a funny little incident. <laughs> to go to Toronto, one was, uh, and then uh, there was a homegrown competition in at the Just for Last Festival. Okay. I went in 05, I believe. Yeah. It was. I didn't win, evidently. Even the guys that have one, they still they're doing the same thing I am as well. Yeah, you know, traveling across Canada, maybe. It's all just exposure, right? Uh, <laughs> yes and no. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, honestly as soon as people can have the best time of their life yeah. at a show, and tell you and just fawn over you and love you. Within an hour, they've forgotten your name. And it's just like it's That's like not me. they sort of remember. You. No, there's there's different. There's individuals that uh, there's some people that love comedy and they're yeah. aficionados and they go and they watch and they remember people's names. And I've actually learned comedians from them. It's like, oh, you should see this. I'm like, I haven't heard of that comedian. I saw Patton Oswalt at the Comedy Cave in Surrey when wow. he was like 21 years old. No way. Yeah, he Thin was. And- 
working he, out. He was way thinner. <laughs> he looked like that character from Star Wars. Is just the light. Oh I, yeah. yeah, yeah. The Ewok. The, yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> He's less hairy. Yeah, but yeah, he was freaking hilarious back then. And yeah, then as you know, he got on. It's the, matured. His comedy's matured. Yeah, like his most recent special where he talks about. Uh, his wife passing. His, his wife. Oh that was God. outstanding. I cannot believe he put that together as well as he did. Well, and it's such a, it's tragedy and comedy all at once, and that's yeah. what, that's what comedians grow into, because you can't just be up there doing knock knock jokes and, <laughs> and impersonations and and get away with it when you're older, and that, I'm at that, I was at the cusp probably, you know, ten years ago, I probably should have written an entirely different show. But yeah. it's just to each their own. Everybody has their own evolution, yeah. and it grows. Well, it's not the definition of comedy is uh, tragedy um, plus, plus time. time equals comedy. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think there's arguments to that formula <laughs> nowadays. I still agree with it, yeah. but honestly, you can remove time. Like tragedy is comedy, yeah. and it's just it's always subjective. And there's people that are sensitive to it right now, but then there's, um, you know, I think there was a, I forget who it was, and I don't want to do them a disservice by butchering how it was <laughs> phrased, but people were talking about the 9/11 incident. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, when is it, when is it okay to write jokes about this? Yeah. And there was somebody that was said, well, I did it before the second plane hit, <laughs> you know, it was just like, when they were writing jokes and that's how, that's how comedians minds operate. Yeah. That's our defense mechanism. That's, that's what happens in our head. It's just like, what's a funny, we look at any situation and we try and find the, the guts of what's funniest in this situation. Yeah. Christina Pazinski talked about that because she has, uh, i trying to remember what it is on Netflix, but they put about six or seven comics together and they each got like mm-hmm. 20 minutes or whatever, or half okay. an hour maybe. I haven't watched that one yet. and I won't. It's really good, but she was trying to hold out for an hour special, which she could have got, but mm-hmm. um, she says a lot of her, her material, she goes, no one will remember what it is in six minutes, like the Me Too thing and all that. Mm-hmm. She's like, so I felt like I needed to get all that material out right now mm-hmm. and then work on something that was a little bit more stable for an hour right right because a lot of times if you're doing you know cultural jokes for what's in the culture right now we're so fleeting nowadays that in is it two weeks yeah is it or is it going to be forgotten or do you have to drop it yeah because things have changed if you have the throughput where you you're writing like that all the time yeah and there's people that can do that there's guys like simon king where Hmm. some his writing i i think there's some people that I think write in like at four times the speed of actual time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, well, how do you get that much out? Uh, for me, it's like divine inspiration. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'm just all of a sudden I get hit by a vision yeah. where this is funny or it, a lot of my jokes, I write and I write and I write and I have like notebooks full of stuff. Like I try and write journals. I try you, and you write still handwrite? I do. I yeah. find that for me, pen to paper, that's, that's, I still go on the computer, but there's something how, um, the physical action of writing out words on paper, it engages your brain differently. Yeah. I honestly believe that. And then I rework it on a computer and then just sort of move stuff around. Yeah. But yeah, when you're writing and I write cursive in my journal and it's just chicken scratch. <laughs> When I'm just like doing free f- flow th- thought, when I'm doing comedy, I print it. Okay. And I actually print it because it slows me down. 
That's kind of cool. And it makes me think about what is being written down. Yeah. And uh, how often? It's just when you get inspiration, you do it, or do you have like a set time? Mostly when I'm depressed. Really? (laughs) I I feel like it's whenever I want to purge something out of my brain and I have to get it out. Yeah. Because it's bouncing around in my head and it's interrupting my life. You so you obviously journal regularly, mm-hmm. but the comedy is just that that release for you. It is, yeah, yeah it is, and uh, it's cathartic. It's therapy. Like any comedian would tell you that it's it feels great to get those laughs. It feels great to get in front of an audience that's never seen you before, and yeah, they're laughing at the stuff that you're tired of. And it's I can't even imagine. So I just I've always had a fear of public speaking, mm-hmm. uh, which would suck to try to do comedy, but uh, especially if people are booing you. But I recently had an opportunity to speak on stage as a host, like a little five seven minute thing, right. um, and I had you know preset things that I needed to talk about, and I got to ad lib a little bit. So that it wasn't helps. it wasn't that difficult. Right. It wasn't like me reading a speech yeah, structure out. well one of the rules of, of uh public speaking is don't tell jokes yeah you don't because if it falls flat you lose that group right and whatever you're speaking to just yeah. it's muted i'm avoiding it with a passion <laughs> of trying to tell jokes while, while i'm up there i don't yeah. want to it's, it's in our church actually and my okay my pastor is like super funny guy his sermons are funny and then you come up there and i'm being all serious and i'm like i should be like thinking of something but it's the stuff that i'm thinking about joking is in a church prepared and make sure you bounce it off a few people <laughs> exactly because yeah. the sensitivities in a church are yeah, yeah they're very different I yeah. love it. it's a different crowd different group absolutely yeah. Yeah. and it's morning mostly as well. <laughs> it yeah, is at a, 10 o'clock try to be funny gig. at 10 o'clock oh yeah i yeah. did one in front of a seniors golf tour they were going on this uh it was like a blind tour they didn't know where they were going to okay and uh it was at a golf course in, was it Oakville? High River. High River, 7 a.m. Oh for seniors. Goodness. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> That's middle of the day for them, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think they got, this was before I was like pro pro. I think I got like 50 bucks for the show, 100 bucks. <laughs> nice. And you a take free it round. Real. I still haven't taken advantage of that <laughs> round. I don't know if that pro's still there anymore. Yeah. You, you got to take every opportunity you can. Like what I'm finding now yeah. is wanting to overcome the fear of public speaking that I, I'm just going to say yes to everybody. And I'm actually actively seeking out things that I can do. And again, not for comedy, just to practice being in front of groups of people. That's, and, a, that's a good attitude to have. Yeah. You can either avoid it. Which I have or, for years. And everybody does. There's yeah. The two biggest fears in life are, are death and public speaking. <laughs> and with stand-up comedy, you can do both. Do you know the reason why? So when you had no. to public speak way back in the day, like oh, in, yeah, in grade was, school? No, no, no. I'm talking like 15th century, 14th century. Okay. The only time you had to public speak is when you were in front of a, um, a court of your peers and they were deciding whether you're going to live or die. So in our genes, hmm. it's what makes us fearful of being in front of crowds is that you're being judged. So obviously comics oh, and yeah. singers and there's every, judgment at every degree. Every degree, right? Yeah. So you're you're it's being judged and you know, if you're not that confident, then the judging is hard. You will die. <laughs> you will die. You will be punished. If you can't speak well and convince the king that really I'm not a bad guy, mm-hmm. off with your head. Yeah. Or into the lions or it whatever. It feels like it that. It feels like that. <laughs> I can imagine eating yeah. shit up there would be horrible. Yeah, even even with one person, like that, you can have ninety nine out of a hundred people on your side, but if that one person is just glaring at you with their arms crossed, yeah, that's all you see. That's all you feel. 
It's just like, why don't they like me? <laughs> I got two experiences with that. So a really good buddy of mine, he used to co-host the podcast with me. Mm-hmm. He hates comedians. He just, he doesn't get it. Like, he's got no sense of humor. <laughs> I took him to a show, and he sat beside me, literally, arms crossed, just staring at the guy. And I'm like, <laughs> like and it yeah, was he's funny. he's going in with some sort of preconceived notion, or maybe. Like, uh, I, don't I don't know. know. And then last mm-hmm. time I was at the laugh shop, I sat, uh, you know, the long row of tables, kind of like four back there. Mm-hmm. We got in that row there, and there was a guy sitting beside me. The whole crowd was like killing themselves. Yeah. And he was just pissed off. Like someone just forced upset. him to be there. He was in pain. Someone shot him before. He, I don't know. Yeah. But if you're if people are going to comedy, they have to want to laugh. Yeah, it's important. If they aren't, yeah, don't come out. Please yeah. don't do it. It's not fair to the comics. And and why? Why are you going to go? No, spend or the people around you. It's bucks. a shared energy. Yeah, like it it, it's you're communing together. Yeah. is really what it is. You're sharing an experience. And if you're going to be a stick in the mud and ruin it. Yeah. People can feel that, like when someone's miserable and walks in the room, yeah. it's like, oh my, it, it, it diminishes everybody's good time around them, right? And that's really what happens. Yeah, it's just. Well, you got five kids. You know when one's in a bad mood, how the the energy in the house just starts draining, and like, why is everybody on? It's edge? just always like that. <laughs> I guess with five, they're, they're all miserable. <laughs> What's People it? always ask, "Which do you have a favorite?" I'm like, I hate them all. <laughs> <laughs> jerk. What's uh, what's the age groups? Uh, the oldest is just has just turned seventeen. Okay, oldest son, and I have a fourteen year old daughter. I have a ten year old daughter, eight year old son, and six year old son. Oh wow, that's yeah. a big gap. Yeah, ten years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the oldest to the youngest. Yeah, and they all have their own unique little personalities. Do we, are any of them funny? Any of them you think is going to go down the you comic know, tour? Uh, they all have their sense of humor. My yeah. oldest, he's he's pretty scathing and acerbic <laughs> with his, and it's just, uh, yeah, his attitude. My second, she's more, she likes making fun of me. Yeah. She's just mean. <laughs> she's, she's great. But uh, my third, uh, Arden, she's... She's a little performer. She's got personality that would fill a room. Yeah. Like she always does. And um, fourth, he likes to draw yeah. a lot. He's a little bit quieter, pulls his punches. And the youngest one, I don't know what he's going to do. He's going to be in prison. <laughs> he just gets <laughs> four older siblings. He doesn't pull his punches. He's He got mad at me one time. Not mad at me. He got mad at somebody else. Yeah. Walked across the room to me and overhead smashed me in the face. <laughs> I'm just like, why me? What did I? <laughs> I need to let it out. Yeah. He just smashed so you. I'm just like, okay, I misplaced anger. <laughs> That's great. Well, what do you have to do as youngest to impress the other four? Like, he's got to step his game up, Well, he right? doesn't even care. No. He doesn't care. He's the little <laughs> prince. He's just, he wanders around like he owns the place. Nice. He's nice. the way to the highway. Yeah. He'll tell you off in a second. My uh, my wife, when I met her, we were dating. We were just talking about, like, we were getting serious. And she's like, well, how, how many kids do you want? I'm like, one. Like, that's, <laughs> None. That's plenty. Want and, is a strong <laughs> word. Yeah. I did want kids. I really did. <laughs> how many did. will we have? <laughs> or how many do I want? Well, and at the time, I was doing drywall. <laughs> and she <laughs> and uh, she said she wanted four. And I'm like, listen, lady, wow. I'm just a poor drywall. And she hadn't had one yet. She eh? hadn't had one yet. And then we had one and done. We well no, she was she was like, Hey, this is really easy. My daughter was like the easiest baby ever. This like 
Yeah, there's a way that God tricks you, right? He's like, oh, and give him a really good one so we can get the second one. Oh, in yeah. There. yeah. They're all different. Yeah. And so we so, thought we were the best parents ever. And like, man, we could have a dozen of these. We're awesome. Oh, yeah. And then then we had Eric and Nicole's like, we're done. We're not doing this anymore. Yeah. And so we uh, got the tubes tied. and Not to sound, <laughs> not to sound misogynistic around. Boys and girls are different. Totally. They do. Like, there's different personalities. Like, traditionally, I'm just speaking in a traditional sense <laughs> because I've seen three boys and two girls and i've noticed the trend yeah at least in my family and i've seen it in other people's families as well uh, there's anomalies for sure but yeah 14 year old girls are mean they're like cut you to, to each the other couple. yeah yeah they they but they act sweet i know that's what it is it's just like oh no we my, used to joke and say god made them cute games. so you don't kill them yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're, they're super cute and like they're smiling. And... I said it on stage last night as well. It was funny. I was talking about well, because I give advice to parents about to have their first kid. Yeah. Or they have their first kid new. Where I say there will come a point, and I verified this with other parents. There will come a point where you're holding your newborn, young little baby, and they're screaming. <laughs> And you don't know why, and you're exhausted because you've had yeah. three hours sleep in the past two nights, and you want to throw them out the window. Yeah, you yeah. will have that thought in your head. Let me pre-plan for it's it. It's normal. It's normal to have that thought. The difference between you and a psychopath is that you just don't. Right. Just lay your kid down, walk out of the room. <laughs> they're fine. Right. They're not hurt. They might have colic. Yeah. They might have gas, whatever. Yeah. But they, you know, they're not actually hurt. There's no bones broken. They're not bleeding. Right. Just lay them down, walk out of the room, regroup, go back in when you, yeah. when you can. Parenting's mentally. a hard job. It isn't easy. No. <laughs> it's... Yeah. It's very rewarding though. Like your Is kids it? do some <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I got a son that's producing for us and a daughter yeah, that's, this that's is an great. artist. This... And uh so yeah, I, I find it very, very rewarding. Yeah. But as much as I find it rewarding, there's days where I'm like, I will punch that kid in I the face swear. as hard as I can. You can't say that out loud, but it's like I uh, I will end this thing. <laughs> I think my yeah. uh, my wife said it last night to Eric. This old Cosby jokes goes. Yeah. I brought you into this world. I'll take you out, boy. Yeah. <laughs> that's not allowed to be funny anymore. Oh right, it's Cosby. <laughs> yeah. You gotta stop. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's and that's a thing. I, I've we've talked about it. It's like, do you take away their entire le- entire legacy? Does that cease? I think it's just you just can't acknowledge it anymore. We're not yeah. allowed to talk about it. <clears throat> he submarined it. He ruined a lot of comedians' lives. Yeah, because he was the king. He was a king for the longest time, and people looked up to him, and he he betrayed us. Yeah. He, he broke our hearts. I think that's what it is, right? Like, he comes from an era where I think what he was doing was somewhat acceptable in Hollywood and, and, oh, yeah. and, he, and his Oh, yeah, he was community. a pioneer. Yeah. For the black community? No, I, I'm talking or... about the, the drugging girls. Like, that oh, was yeah. somewhat oh. acceptable, not by the general population, not acceptable. but in it was, group. It was... Um, I don't think it's ever acceptable to right, do that. Right, yeah. But yeah, it was commonplace and the the victims never really had a platform. Right. Because they were always muted. They were always shut It's Cosby. Down. How do you stand up against Well, Cosby the... and anybody in a position of power wielded that power in such a way. Right. You know, you look at the Harvey Weinsteins. That's what like, the predators do. That's what happens. Yeah. And it's just like uh, they they held that power and they wielded it with such authority and in such a menacing way yeah. and uh, maybe behind the scenes. And it's just like, um, it wasn't that, that it was encouraged, but it wasn't, 
discouraged. Right. It's the way it would be now, today. It's just like you can't, and I don't even think it's at the point where it's being discouraged enough still. Yeah. Where people are calling each other out. There, we still don't, we're still figuring stuff out. How do you call that out? Yeah. How do you say you can't do that without, say, banning someone from a Well, and everyone's so fickle nowadays, right? They yeah. could be oh, mad at it. you for calling them out or praising you, and then two days later, they yeah. don't give a crap. It's, uh, it's actively caring. Yeah. about other people yeah. and how do we do that we all have to operate from a place of kindness and love and it's just like you know I don't it's I, I think not to get too spiritual or, or big that way but I think we are on another age of an enlightenment like I think we're on the cusp of something great or we're just gonna mankind's gonna kill ourselves but I think there's a larger growing group of people out there that are have that common mindset that we want something more we want something better and there's more to our existence than just being greedy and right. hurting one another and if we work together like what is our consciousness here for yeah what, what is why do we exist yeah and <clears throat> the, our baseline should be we need to operate from a place of love and right. kindness and work from there I I, I, each other. I I just finished tell you we go to church and that that's a big part of what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, our church is I think one of the few churches that we have a gay couple inside the church and right and, on. and we don't promote gay marriage. My pastor won't marry gay people. We don't have to celebrate sexuality in any sort of way. That's it's just that's let what, people be who they are as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. Right? It's just like like I, it's okay. Like if we allow thieves in. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm not saying that gay people are are bad, but according to the Bible, it's a sin, mm-hmm. right? And so it doesn't say that we shouldn't well, love yeah. them. That's the Old Testament. Old Testament. Christ, New Covenant, uh, it excludes a lot of that stuff. Now. It, That's right. a lot. A lot of people don't understand. I, love I God. was raised Christian. I adhere to uh, the B- Buddhist philosophy. Okay. I really enjoy. Uh, if you've ever read Eckhart Tolle, I haven't. It's tremendous. It's. Uh, it really brings to light and it merges a lot of the teachings in all religions Yeah, about the foundation. It's like we all... I think you believe very in the, similar. There, it, there is only one true belief. Yeah. There is only one true belief. And is like, God, is it a dude sitting in a chair on clouds? I don't think so. I think it's... Uh, I, I don't will, think our minds are good enough to imagine what no, a it, God-like we're t- we're spirit restricted. actually is. It's because we're physical. Right. And God is omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. Yeah. In everything, of everything, around us, in us. We are part of God. We are God. Right. That, you know, there was a time that would get me killed <laughs> right. for having said something like that. We are all tied to the same fabric of our consciousness and existence. I agree. And that's that's how it works. Yeah. And that's what Christ taught. That's what Buddha taught. That's what... Um, you know, that's what Muslims teach. Yeah. They do. They believe in brotherly love. Yep. They call it brotherly, like, you know, themily love, peopley. I don't know what it's going to yeah. be called now. <laughs> but all, all uh, I can't even say human because it has the word man in there. People. Yeah. We all have to, we all have to operate the same way. Yeah. Um, and, and it's truly, we're all made of the general same construct. Yeah. I believe in the spirit, the soul. Yeah. That we all have. And we're, we carry that around in this meat bag. Yeah. And we're blessed and cursed all at the same time by having the physical form. Yeah. Because we can't conceptualize something that is so magnificently larger than what we are. Right. 
and we're limited by our brains. Yeah. We're limited, but at the same time, it allows us to taste, touch, yeah. feel life. Yeah. The good, the bad, like feel pain, feel love, feel, feel. That's why I, a big part of my belief is that that's why we're here to yeah. experience life. It's like a carnival ride that's going to be over like that in the vast expanseness of infinity. We existed, we pre existed before that. I honestly believe that. And we're yeah, going to exist yeah. afterward. And this is just a drop in the fabric of time, which is a human construct as well, where it's just like we. So why are we here? I'm like, because it's a, it's a hell of a party. Love God, love others. Yeah. What, what else do you need to do? That's right? what it is. Love yourself, love everybody else. If everybody would try and take care of everybody else, we'd all be taken care of. We wouldn't even have to worry about yeah, ourselves. I, look out for one I had a medium on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and uh, people get a little weirded out, like, you know, what are they, they're, they're trying to scam you out of money, or they're making up stuff, no, or whatever. It's a heightened sense of empathy. That, that's 100% what it is. And she goes, I just want people to be able to connect with people and the planet and, mm-hmm. and the spirits and like just to be find happiness and joy. Because people like that feel what's going on around them. That's, yeah, what the, that's what's going on. They just, whatever, however they've been made, it's sort of like, you know, they, they don't have control over it. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like being born in a, a biological male body where you identify as a female it's like you can't control that but you feel entirely different right. than everybody else um mediums and prophets and, and people empaths yeah all the same thing they they're wired differently they just feel the world differently and when you're angry they feel it when they're you're sad they feel it when they they can feel the resonating energy that's around like um i, I think there was Science is proving that there's parallel universes that exist. They're trying. And it's just like, it's like a, 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 somebody explained it really well. It's like a sine wave where it's just every once in a while, it just sort of overlaps and you sort of feel yeah. what's going on some somewhere else, which is right here at yeah. the same time, which our brains can't comprehend. Well, and I think comics have a better feel for that than a lot of the general population, especially in that crowd mentality, trying yeah. to feel each individual's Whether we know it uh, or not. Yeah, it's... It's the sharing of energy. It's the yeah. feeling when you have a room full of people that are showing showing their not necessarily love but adoration, which is like lower level love, and it's 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 like a drug. Like yeah. you get that adrenaline, you get the dopamine, you get everything just filling your brain. Yeah. Where you're riding that for a while, and then there's a crash afterward, and <sighs> it's just like it's horrible depression and. Bad eating habits, <laughs> all sorts of stuff. That that's a, a good, or you just made me think of something like getting that high from your seven o'clock show mm-hmm. and coming off stage just pumped, like you killed yeah. it. The everyone in <laughs> Some there. Some people are high before the seven o'clock <laughs> show, <laughs> but then you got to sit for an hour and wait for your ten o'clock show. And then your ten set. o'clock show, they walk in drunk and you're still buzzing. And it's yeah, it's but like that's that a universal roller coaster. It's that of, shift where you're feeling one thing, but there's something else going on right now. You yeah. have to be present. You have to be, and that's, uh, yeah, I, I go back to Eckhart Tolle. He talks about, we live our lives right now, like in the present. Right. And so don't be bothered about stuff that happened in the past. Don't worry about the future because you got to worry about what's going on right now. And if you're able to live right now, you'll be able to figure out next steps. Yeah. And know what you want to do. Be goal-oriented. Have some sort of an idea of where you want to be. Yeah. Like you want to have a good show. 
but don't be thinking, oh, that first show was so much better, or I w- these guys are going to be like this. It's just like, no, it's just worry about what you're doing right now and, and yeah. carry through that because, yeah, you could submarine yourself pretty quickly. If you come into your 10 o'clock show expecting everyone to be drunk and obnoxious, well, you're going to create something inside yourself. You're going to get disrupted by your own ego and thoughts. It's going to sabotage you. Yeah. That's what happens. That's crazy. It's funny as you're talking. I I love Jordan Peterson. I'm I'm a a big fan. I I listen to his book at least once a year. But he he talks about it at length. That that one there, the 12 rules 12 rules, yeah. It's pretty amazing. I'm on Audible, so I want to... I'm trying to figure out the Jordan... that's the yeah. That's the first one to get for Jordan. It's actually a second one. His first one was called Maps yeah, of the, Meaning. Okay. Yeah. But that's the one you recommend. To, oh, for sure. Lesson. Maps of Meaning is meant for psychology students. It's super difficult. To, you you could do his podcast and listen to him do mm-hmm. a description of the book, um, and that's pretty palatable for well for dumb construction workers like me. And maybe you got a better power of words. <laughs> he but was he, a, yeah. He's incredibly intelligent. Like I've I've, heard, I've seen some YouTube stuff, but I'm like, okay, this is probably just one sided where he's shutting people down. But I'm like, wow, that was no. very eloquent and articulated with how he presented that. One of the things that he says all the time is, first, do what's right for you. But not only right for you, it's got to be right for you and your family and mm-hmm. the community and the world. And yeah. so I was thinking about it as you were talking about doing your show. Like, for a comic to do something that's not right for them, you know, they're, they're trying to be um, extra edgy and that's not who they are. They're trying to do something that's not for them. That show is never going to work. Right. But if you're doing what's right for you, like your comedy, your funny stuff, mm-hmm. then it's going to be right for your family and for the, the show. That's and right. For, right. It's going to work itself out. It's, but when you're not doing the things that are right for you, you can't make it right for anybody else. No. And then he says, not only does it have to be right for you now, but it's got to be right for you uh, tomorrow and five years and 10 years and the rest of your life. Ideally. Ideally. Not that's, everything's going to be like that, but yeah, that's the, the your goal. Your goal when you're, when you're making decisions is like, is this good for me? Well, it's not good for me. Well, then it won't be good for my family. Like if you're miserable, how, how good is your <clears throat> family running? Yeah. No, right. and it's a yeah. With uh, your home life is a reflection of your work life. Yeah. Is a reflection of you out in life. It's yeah, well put. There's a. It's not me, by the way. That's Jordan's. Is that Jordan? <laughs> That's the, Jordan. Yeah. There's something similar in the world of comedy that preexisted, but I think there was one comedian that was able to articulate it, and he he claims it as his own, and I believe that that he did, he did. Uh, uh, vocalize the precept with that. Uh, when you do stand-up comedy, what you want to do is you want to talk about yourself. Yeah. And then you want to talk about the world. And then you talk about yourself in the world. Ah. And it and it's just like, yeah. That, that it pre-existed that that's good comedy. Yeah. But he was able to say that. That's Andrew Gross, by the way. Oh, he's hilarious. Yes, he is. Seen he's him a, tour two times live, three times live now? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, at least. Well, he's been touring forever. Yeah, yeah. Since 1932. <laughs> <laughs> First time I saw him was on Just for Laughs. Yeah. And then uh, he came to uh, Surrey to do a show. Mm-hmm. And then I saw him once here in Calgary. He's been well. everywhere. He's done it all. Yeah. He, he, yeah, he, he's a, a for sure a mm-hmm. top line. He's headliner. a veteran. Yeah. yeah. People don't, uh, if you're not in the comedy world, if you're not like watching them regularly, like that's what's on my radio mm-hmm. and that's what's on my TV. Yeah. It's comedy. I love that. that and that's that, one thing about, you know, uh, Andrew will uh, admit as well is like he, he's not friends with everybody. Yeah. Uh, but his 
I often and the same thing with like guys like Mark Breslin with Yuck Yucks. Yeah, he's had his rows with people. Um, I I get along with both of them just fine, tremendously. Yeah. We sit and we talk and get along. But I know that they, there's people that have had issue, but that's their business. Yeah, I found that it has never cascaded out to me needing to have an opinion right. on such things. Where uh, love these guys or hate these guys, what have they done? Yeah. What is their legacy? <clears throat> and you look, yeah, look at what people have done because it, you know, it goes back to Cosby as well. Look what he's done, but yeah, look what he's done. He has a legacy, <laughs> but look what he's done. If so, you just look at his comedy, though, like he is a phenomenal comic. Like he knows Andrew how to, Gross. Well, both. Yeah, even Con- even Cosby. Yeah. Like he's a great comic, and yeah, it, he knows uh, there's writing. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about Andrew. I just I, it's just such a weird. Weird vibe where it's like, yeah, unfortunately, we I think we have to erase cause from the history books. Yeah. He's got to be washed. I, I get it. You know? I, I get it, but I don't think it takes away from his Hitler was a com- tremendous stand-up comedian as well. A lot of people know Great speaker. <laughs> <laughs> Great orator. Yeah. Yeah. I talk about that on the podcast because that's a, the, um, a power that public speakers have, comics, musicians right. have to It's like, to look control. what they did, but then, yeah, look what they did. Right. It's like... I I fear that often with great things comes great damage. Yeah, or, or just, great responsibility. Well, there is that great resp- Yeah, you know, there is that great responsibility and how you wield that and how you carry it. There's some tr- there's great people out there. Another great comedian out of Calgary, uh, originally from from Newfoundland, Trent McClellan. He did. He yep. came down to a great guest spot last night. And he's um, last time I was in Halifax, we were. We were drinking, and I was telling him, I'm like, you, like, he is, I, uh, like, as far as people that I know, there's also uh, another guy by the name of uh, Matt Billen, where I don't think he got enough credit for what he's done. He was over in the United Arab Emirates for a while. Oh, wow. Crazy. But he's traveled the world. He's done so much. And with Trent, he's one of the hardest working guys. Yeah. And he had those moral principles that he adhered to, um, you know, and I... Whenever I give advice to newer comedians coming in, I always use him as an example. And just one of the examples is that he doesn't drink during the week. Yeah. He's just like, you see comedians are having a beer on a Tuesday mm-hmm. on an open mic or on a Wednesday or, you know, comedy Monday night. James yeah. Moore's place is at Broken City and they have lovely beers there. <laughs> Great staff, good food. And, uh, but he won't drink Monday yeah. through Thursday. He might have drank last night. I didn't see him. But he, he does his guest spot, he's working through new bits, and then he's out. He yeah. leaves. You know, says his hellos and goodbyes. And uh, But he's worked hard, and he's always been like that. Now he's on this hour's 22 minutes. He worked yeah. hard to get there, and he's on screen. And it's just like, yeah, if you work hard, you can get it. I, I think it's funny. It didn't. It took me until like probably my my forties um, before I understood that. Where not everybody has this goal of doing something mm-hmm. big. Like not everyone needs to be a Joe Rogan. A lot of guys right. are just like, I love going to clubs, playing the small ones, yeah. getting twenty five bucks a show and a couple of beers and meeting people. Yeah, and they're they're totally funny. Like they're some great. people will be perpetual open micers and they don't. Yeah. realize that they call themselves comedians and yeah they're comedians but they're open micer amateur comedians and they're always going to sit there yeah 
but we yeah. need those people as much as we need the Joe Rogans and yeah, you do. But at the same time, if it gets overly saturated, they're taking up stage time from people that yeah. want to get true going to those spots, and you got to get out of the way. Yeah, for those people that especially that in a town drive. that doesn't have a lot of open spots. That's right? right, and that's where for somebody like me who's a veteran of comedy who's headlining, I have to get. I often feel that I have to get my button gear, and I have to raise my own bar. Yeah, because I think I've been living on my own laurels for a little while, admittedly, and I have to. You got to keep writing. You got to keep being relevant. Yeah. You got to keep trying to come out with big stuff. Yeah, if you want to keep going, <clears throat> I had to resign myself to it somewhat because you want that big stuff, and when you don't get it, it can be really discouraging yeah. and, and crushing. And when you know, I've had those measures of success where you. You want to keep getting that hit. You want to keep hitting right. like that, but it isn't always going to be that way. Yeah. And uh, there's a bit of a dip where you get depressed, and then I sort of came out of it realizing, I'm like, there's a lot of comedians that would kill to be in the position that I am. I get to tour across Canada. I headline across Canada. Yeah. Not a lot of people can say that. There's very few people that can say that relatively compared to the total amount of comedians. So... I look at it and I'm like, no, I'm doing yeah. what I've wanted to do. I'm doing what I want to do. This is where I want to be. I think I want to make it bigger, though. I was going to say, what's your end goal? Like, is because you have a full time job mm -hmm. still that, that you do IT in, and and now of course you, you your your first uh, priority has to be your family. Yeah. But if comedy is the 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 end goal, like you know, just doing that, doing theaters, doing maybe touring throughout yeah. the U.S. And I've done big shows. Like I've opened for some really great people, and uh, like here, like uh, the the largest shows I've I've worked on, twenty one hundred people, twenty two hundred people. That's a big show. Those are big shows, and it's yeah. like, oh well, that's a check off the bucket list. Yeah, how does that so feel different than the club? Less intimate. Yeah, it's a, a a wash of sound, just a wave of of sound, and it's just there. You're engaged with all of these people, but you're there's a, still a disconnect. Yeah. With all of them, like you're talking to a wall of people. Yeah. Where at a comedy club, I was looking people in the eyes, yeah. just talking to them, with them. And you'd find individual spots in the crowd where with that, it's just, you don't get that. Right. Just a but, mic and, the, and the, the universe. Yeah, pretty much. And it's just like, all right, it's just me and my material throwing it at this out there yeah and uh because i was opening they, they weren't my crowd they weren't there to see me they right. were there to see comedy and i got to be part of that so that was good i'd love to have something where i would love to do a theater where everybody was there to see me yeah um i i think it starts with that new hour i think i just have to get that out and see what becomes of that i think it's for like you said it's like do what do what's right we, for you do what's right for right. ourselves yeah and then it'll, if it's true, it'll grow into something bigger. And that's... Well, when your family and friends are behind you, we taught a course called uh, What's God's Plan for Your Life? Mm -hmm. And the big thing that it was talking about is like listening to the people around you, right? Your mm -hmm. family, your friends, the people that love you. And like, you're funny. You should do more. You should yeah. sit down and write. You should do the this. Good you stuff, should do that. Anyway, the <laughs> right? positive things. Yeah, that's right. Because there's other stuff that gets thrown in there. Right? <laughs> well, you can't listen to the kids because they're just oh, mean. No. Court orders and... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the ex-wife. Life, life hits you. Yeah. 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 
But that's part of that's part of your day. So you have to right. weed through some of that stuff and get <laughs> yeah. to the what is the relevant what is the stuff that's going to promote me and make me grow. Right. Yeah, it's about personal growth. I often think about the uh, the people on America's Got Talent or any of those singing competition shows mm-hmm. and they're doing the original show and they just suck. Ugh. They don't have any friends. Like if I sucked, if nobody laughed and like, yeah, yeah, you should go try that contest or you should go try it. Those are mean people. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They should be protecting you and going, hey, you know what? I know you think you're funny, but we love you. I still just not funny. I think there's still those people that have been told that (laughs) and go and don't listen. That's true. At, At the same time, I'm glad that some people didn't listen to my advice. There's honestly... Uh, and I, I, I tell this story so often. There's one comedian, he, he lives in Vancouver now, and we were starting out together. And he would speak like a thousand miles an hour. Yeah. And he wasn't very clear in how he enunciated words. Yeah. And so it was hard to understand him as is. When he got on stage, he would go, he would be a lot, he would speak a lot faster. And everybody Ooh. was like, I have no idea what he's even <laughs> saying. It's like mumble yeah. rap. Pretty much. Like there's Simon King where you can hear him enunciate all the words, but there's just so much being thrown at you at one time. Like it's just like I still have to laugh at that first joke a few minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> and you've said four more since then that are equally as hilarious. It's just uh, just tremendous throughput, that guy. But uh, the guy out of Vancouver, his name's Brett Martin. And when okay. we first started out, we started out at a place called Cleo's where uh, they offered some stage time, and they would give us as much stage time as we wanted. So we would each do like a half hour when we were first starting out. We had no business doing that. And uh, Brett, to his credit, he would come out week after week, and uh, he he grew into one of the best comedians in Canada. He is hilarious. And I'm glad, because I, I said, yeah, you should stop. (laughs) <laughs> you shouldn't do comedy anymore. <laughs> Nobody understands you. You gotta, and and uh, it was a real dick thing for me to do. Back then. <laughs> it was it was horrible, and uh, I'm glad he didn't listen. He yeah. didn't, but there are some people that when they are told that they need to listen. It's just like yeah, you're, the stuff you're talking what about. Was that Asian kid from America's Got Talent? He was that horrific singer. Oh, they Hung. Made a, yeah, his name? is that his name? I don't know. It was I awful. Forget. I think so. <laughs> he ended up making Cheap an album. He's, one of, he's more popular than you or I combined, man. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Terrible. I'm not ragging on him, but I'm he like, definitely doesn't have any friends. If I'm successful, I don't want that kind of success. <laughs> I don't want to be so crappy that I, I people yeah. love me. Yeah. <laughs> Feel sorry for you. I don't want to go buy your CD because you're so bad. I'd rather hear this. I I often say I'm like an urban legend. People love my show. They come to my show and I hear people say wonderful, nice things to me after the show and they love me and then they forget about me. And then I'm just, I I jokingly say, yeah, don't tell anybody. Make sure (laughs) nobody knows. Try the reverse psychology on them and see if that works. Oh, what was his name? Frederick Jansen. He was hilarious. Oh, uh, yeah. People are so fickle, right? Like, you just, you take your friend that, that you thought he should quit a comedy <laughs> and he just digs deep it and he makes it work. And maybe I love he you, wouldn't. Brett Martin. I love you. And maybe he wouldn't have done it if you hadn't told him to quit. Maybe it inspired him to dig harder. Yeah. Like, oh, if I'm supposed to, maybe I just need to work harder and then people will like me. Nah, if you knew Brett, that wasn't. It. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> he, he had the bug. Yeah. Uh, he, he, there was no way he could quit. 
It's a, there's a there's a phrase I use a double negative. I I say I can't not do comedy. Yeah, I have to do comedy. I earlier on, I had thought about it. If I, it would make me cry. Like yeah. if I had to not, if I wasn't allowed to do comedy anymore, there was a time where yeah, I was going through what I refer to as my troubles with a, with my marriage. Uh, I won't get into detail, but um, where I had to, I told. <laughs> I had to walk into the office one day and I said, I, I have to ask you, I had to stop my bookings. I said, I can't do comedy for the foreseeable future. Like mm-hmm. I was in tears. I'm like, I can't go on the road. Yeah. I have to take care of these things. And so rather than just turning down what they offered me, I just said, you can't just don't offer me anything, which is a mistake. Similar to other comedians saying, well, I am quitting this camp to move and work with this other camp. I'm going to, so I'm going to write a letter. Why do you Why do you have to tell anybody? Just do it. Yeah. Just don't They'll work figure there it out. and work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just turn down their their work and only take theirs or whatever. You said it a couple of times that you're talking about depression and, and going into those deep lows. And mm-hmm. was that something you had throughout your entire life or was this? Uh, oh, pro- yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't know if I was predisposed to that or if my my environment growing up or afterward. It's just everything I did probably just brought it to me. Yeah. So like how I live my life. I, I uh for anything bad that happens to people, I think it would be we'd be remiss to say that we didn't bring it on ourselves yeah. somehow. I agree. In one way or another. There's horrible situations <clears throat> that nobody deserves. But if you don't ask yourself, where was I when that came in? Mm-hmm. Like, what was I doing to prevent that? Or what was I doing that may have opened the doors for to allow that to happen? Yeah. It's like, we have to take responsibility for the things that we do. We have to take ownership of our lives. For the good that happens, it's because of our efforts. Right. For the bad that happens, it's because of our efforts. I think it might even be <clears throat> half a percent, but you have to take some yeah. responsibility in Absolutely. every situation. The, uh, to some degree. Yeah. Half a percent, even a thousandth yeah. of a percent. Right. A thousandth of a thousandth of a percent. But if you refuse to even think on that, yeah. it's like you may you may have yourself in that position again. We we talk about it um, in a men's group that we're in that when our households aren't running well, we have to first look at ourselves, right? Yeah. We're supposed to be, and I'm not talking about a chauvinistic, misogynistic uh, leader we are supposed to be the leaders of our family. Yeah. And lots How of supportive are you being? Exactly. How, and so how good of an example are you setting? Right. Not like how are you controlling everything. We can yeah, only yeah. control what we do. Right. We only have control over our actions, right. not even our thoughts. Yeah. We can't even think. Like, the only way we, you control your thoughts is by what goes inside. So whatever you feed your body, that's what your cells are made out of. Mm-hmm. Whatever you feed your mind, and so if you're looking at smut and and yeah. uh, porn, then, then you're poisoning your mind. You're you're not. And yeah. I'm not bashing guys that do that. Do whatever you want to do, but <laughs> but you have to know trouble, like if that. it's not working. Like if you're looking at porn all day and then going home and wondering why your wife doesn't love you. Yeah. Eh, maybe you need to stop looking at porn. Yeah. Right. Like you have to think about everything that you're feeding into your body, whether it's through your eyes yeah. or your ears or your mouth. Yeah, all product in, product out. Right, exactly. And it does affect the chemicals. Yeah, and it does affect how we think. Yeah. Um, I, I have 
absolutely no authority to refer to on this, but uh, the our thoughts, it's been determined, and I'm sure it's, there's somewhere online or some, some statistic or metric that you could find, where about 99% of our thoughts are garbage. Oh, yeah. It's just chatter. Yeah. Mindless chatter. <laughs> just going on all the time. And you can't turn it off. Like, thinking is going on all the time. Yeah. And the vast majority of it is useless. Yeah. Non-productive. So you can let yourself be consumed by those thoughts. Yeah. Or you could be the consciousness just being aware of those thoughts. Let them be fleeting. Put the big yeah, rocks just like let it run through whatever it's doing. Just know that that isn't you. Yeah. How you react to those thoughts is who like that's what's important how yeah. do you react to life we can only control what we do and how we react and how we interact with people so right. that's focus on that and are you being kind are you operating from that place of of goodness that um you're contributing to the world or are you you being a miserable dick and just bringing everybody else down. That's the key point, right? Are you contributing? Yeah. When people aren't contributing, then they feel like garbage, yeah. right? When you withdraw, when you're not part of the community, whether that's it's isolating, of yeah. old comics or with your family or mm-hmm. with a sports team, whatever it is, if you're not contributing, yeah. then you're going to... Uh, the way of man, a guy was talking about that and right before the Second World War in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, depression and anxiety and suicide were at an all-time high for men. I bet. There was no reason to get up in the day like there was just it was that droning on sometimes you have to make it up and that's where the arts yeah like there's a huge you know I'm I'm talking on my ass here (laughs) there's a huge increase in the uh, I think it's always been important the arts not just the arts community but to for me you were talking about contributing for me I use the word creating yeah when you're creating something, when you're making That's something a contribution, from nothing, yeah. it is a way to contribute. Yeah. So if you're upset, and there's there's studies that have shown that if you just sit and you create or you write or you do art, you yeah. draw, you paint, uh, it resets your brain. Yeah. Like it, 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 you're creating mm-hmm. something. And I bet people at those times, like after World War II, yeah, hey guys, let's go out and paint. <laughs> Let's uh, paint night didn't come around until like twenty fifteen. <laughs> Two and a half years, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's and and uh, traditionally, like the uh, men after World War Two, we were expected to be machismo and walk well, around and, that way. And I'm actually talking about the opposite. The the suicide and anxiety rates were highest before the war. Or before the war. And when the war started, they almost dropped off to nothing. There was a reason to get up in the morning and be diligent okay, and be challenged. So right oh, before yeah. the war started. Got all the killing out of their system. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a purpose. There, there was a, a there was sense a purpose, of purpose right. uh, behind them. You get up and like you have a daytime job. I have a daytime job. Yeah. And how many people hate their daytime? Most of my life I've hated my daytime I'm, job. I'm pretty sure, yeah, I, there's very, I think a good question has is how many people like their job? I heard it's 80% of men hate what they do during the day. They hate it. It's not like, oh, this is kind of sucky. It's, they hate it. Huh. 80%. And it's an attitude. I used to, I used to be that way. Yeah. I'm like, I don't like doing this. I don't like the people I'm around. <laughs> it's Why IT. am I it's doing this? To, I'm a contractor. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm on the outside looking in all the time, but that's the perception that we hold of ourselves. And if you can just switch that, yeah, 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 I could see that. And it's just 
sometimes you have to make it so you like it. You just try and think I, about it in a way. I think part of it is perception. Part of yeah. it is like, like whatever you say every morning, mm-hmm. it will come true, right? Yeah, like right your construction. Your I'm sure you know guys that are just like, ah, oh, aches and pains, bitch and complain all, all day, day long. <laughs> the weather too hot, too cold, indoor, outdoor. I yeah. didn't want to do nothing this. Nothing goes right. Nothing, nothing satisfies them. Yeah. But if you look at what you're doing and look around what you have and it's just, and you ask yourself, it's just like, can is there a way I can be enthusiastic about this? Yeah. Or at least just accept that this is what I'm doing. Right. And enjoy it. Yeah. I try to give people purpose. I'm, I'm managing a construction company. So okay. guys used to come in and complain all the time, right? Like, yeah. oh, this isn't working. I mean, yeah. So what's the solution? What's you're, the solution? You're bringing me a problem. So now I've told them, like, you don't get to come and complain unless you have a solution you want me to yeah. implement. I get it. There's problems out there, but don't just come and bitch to me. You got to yeah. come in and say, this is a big problem. Okay. What are one of the solutions or a few of the solutions? That's right. So now all of a sudden, the bitching just stops because I'm not even going <laughs> to listen to them, right? Unless they have and, a solution. And unless they have a the solution. solution. So now when it gets bad enough that it really is a problem, they can't overcome it. They come to me and like, I don't know, Chad, could we try this or could we try that? And yeah. I'm like, yep, let's try that. Let's see how it works or I'll come up with it. And it's one. empowering as well. It is. And then you get happier guys at work. You get guys that are liking to show up in the morning and then you encourage mm-hmm. them. Like, because man, they feel that they're part of something. That's right. Yeah, so, contributing and right. creating. Showing up every day and doing the same damn dirty job day yeah. after day becomes really monotonous and wears yeah. on your mind, and then you just get stuck in those bad thoughts. Yeah, I used to think that, oh, man, this is boring. Yeah. I didn't realize, no, no, you're just really good at it. So it's <laughs> right. easy for you. That's why it's dull. Yeah. It's like you're better at that than other people. You should just keep doing that because you're the best at it. Right. It's like be and be happy with that. Yeah. I would always, yeah. One well, our egos get in the way too, or sometimes they don't get in the way, right? Like if you don't understand that you're actually good at something and you could teach this to someone else or give it to somebody else, mm-hmm. then then that gets in the way, right? Like it does. Uh, yeah. We have a guy here in Airdrie that uh, an amazing appliance repair guy. He's like 150 years old. He still shows. <laughs> literally, I'll say like this is the part number or this is the stove and the make and the model of the year, and this is what's wrong with it. And he's like, I'll be over in a half hour with this seven digit part. Like he just knows every appliance. Yeah. Since the beginning of time, he's like, done it. How do you know? It's like fifty years of doing the same damn thing, and knows yeah. what goes wrong with everything. He's excellent. It's um, efficient and effective. But he's not very happy. He hasn't seen the joy in 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 that I see in him. I see that him is like you're amazing. Like how do you just keep yeah. all that stuff together? And he's like, it's just another number. I'm like, dude, <laughs> cheer the frick up. Yeah. Come on. You go home and drink, right? That's what you do. <laughs> That's probably At the what end he of your does. day. Yeah. You have a bottle of choice, mix of choice. (laughs) So you were saying before the show, you quit drinking. Yeah, it's been a couple weeks. I'm working up in Cold Lake right now, and it's pretty isolating. I live in a hotel room, which is like... That's where you're doing IT. That's right. Yeah. And it was a six-week project that's turned into 16 weeks, and my my house is a double queen bedroom. In this hotel, I have an instant pot. I was cooking up lentils, and then I. Anyway, I was. Uh, I, I'm living up there, and it's it's very isolating and depressing yeah. because I don't know anybody up there. I've tried to get to know people. And There's not even a movie theater there, is there? There is actually, okay. and I wanted to go see Endgame, but then my daughter said she wanted to go see Endgame, so I haven't gone to go see Endgame because I'm hoping it's still in the theaters and we can go see it. Her and I. It's a great movie. I know, right? Yeah, I've heard. I've got all the spoilers and everything already. Yeah. Apparently, Thor dies. 
I'm kidding. Anyway, <laughs> I said ruin it for people out there. <laughs> I took, Have you seen it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you, yeah. Dies. What's that? Batman. Batman dies. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I also catch Val a little flack because I I took him to see uh, um, John Wick three, mm. and that's pretty violent. Oh, pretty violent? <laughs> Have you not seen one and two? <laughs> yeah, I bet it well, is. They ste- I didn't think they could step it up, but they stepped it up. Like, <laughs> did they? They did. Have you seen Because I thought three? it was nonstop. Like, I think they did a body count in two, and it was Dude, hundreds. It got way more graphic and way more violent. He just carried around a nuclear warhead or something? Uh, just... He's stabbing people in the eye. Oh, like, yeah. And slow motion. It's not like, oh. oh do they go? Oh, geez. Yeah, they're, like. They're using CGI what stuff. What was it, two minutes in? And he's literally got a guy pinned to the ground. He's slowly sliding a big Rambo knife into his face. You can't do it quick. There's bone. No, it's anyway. <laughs> yeah, Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. He used horses to kill people. Nice. Spoiler alert. I can't wait for the game. <laughs> the game. Yeah. Yeah. You're a gamer. It's so bad. <laughs> It'll be so good. Is there a game? Is there a game? Like I was kidding. Oh yeah, that's right. He was promoting it at the last Keanu uh, Reeves. He was promoting oh, wow. it at the at an expo, one of the cons. I'm so not a gamer. Like I, am, I appreciate I am, people that the, are good at it. I'm one of the older gaming of the gaming generation. Right, right. I'm almost seventy years old, and I'm I'm one of the uh, I'm forty five. But uh, I started. Uh, going over to a buddy's place, he had Pong. Yeah. With the paddles and, yep. the, and the Atari. I had an Intellivision. Um, I started I with the Atari 2600. Yeah, that was the what? Joystick and a button. Yeah. Crappy joystick, too. Yeah. Block. I played. Oh, yeah. I, so I was, I was, I pre existed Quake. I, I did the first person shooters. I started with uh, Duke Nukem 3D. Buddy and I set it up across the land using DOS. When Windows came out, it actually interrupted our ability to play it because it was DOS-based, and we had to figure out how to get it to work on a wind modem, on a modem. Yeah. And dial-up. <laughs> and, yeah, it's, yeah, oh, yeah. I've, I've been I, from Duke to Quake, Alien vs. Predator, um, Red Faction. There was I, one with the slow-mo. There's all of them. I, I used to love those. Uh, actually, Mortal Kombat on Sega Genesis. I played that. There was a girl, and she and I played it all the time. And that was, uh, and then S- Super Nintendo was, uh, yep. uh, Super Mario, Mario Kart was where it was at. Mario Kart has always been the number one game for me for Nintendo. And I used to, uh, and I think Eric's heard this story before, but, uh, when I was a youth, I would drop acid and play Super Mario's for Man. like 16 hours straight. Oh, no way. <laughs> I've never done acid. Yeah. <laughs> you listen to our podcast <laughs> with David play, Harder. Is that right? Yeah. He's gonna, a psychedelic the, specialist. Episode. Oh yeah. I was reading on that. Yeah. MDMA, LSD, psilocybin, um, ayahuasca. I, I will, I will be honest. I've microdosed with, uh, magic mushrooms. Yeah. Uh, I know people that they can put it into pill form. Like I said, do you for, find for yourself my work, way more creative when you do it? It it takes it resets the depression. Okay, it I've heard that does. too. Yeah, it, it uh, not necessarily creative, but the world is brighter. Literally, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's uh, but when you're microdosing because it's at such a low level, 
you aren't hallucinating. You aren't seeing tracers, and you, you aren't feeling like your fingers are tingly. And yeah, um, what I refer to as gut rot. Yeah, yeah. Where you just feel ill. LSD was the same thing. Because it's just it is a it is a a poison of sorts. Yeah. So if they could regulate it and they could administrate it and um, do it in a responsible way, there is benefits. Definitely. They're running a conference in 2020 here in Calgary, a psychedelic conference, and Mm -hmm. they're bringing in, I think it's eight doctors to talk about the research they're doing on psychedelics. I think it would help out the world more than marijuana, more more than cannabis and, and CBD. CBD and THC. Well, I don't. I don't think it's for everybody either, right? I think that doing it too young. I think you know, there's lots of reasons why you shouldn't ever do. Every individual reacts to it slightly differently. Some more so. I I know people that say no, no. It it brings on a psychosis. Yeah. There's some people. and yeah, absolutely, testing needs to be done. Yeah. But the fact that there's conversations means that there's more testing. The fact that cannabis has been legalized means that it's the conversations are happening. And right. that's where we need to start. And then the testing can be done. And then people can understand it better. Yeah. Um, yeah. With uh, yeah. the gen- genetic testing they're doing nowadays, they should be able to test you at any point and go, hey, you should never, ever do should be cannabis. I... I uh, I'm one of the conspiracy theorists that there's a, like thinks that there may be actually a cure for cancer out there that they're just suppressing. I'm not surprised. Big pharma, the big corporations, the people that have the money and the people that have the power, they don't want to lose that. Right. And things like this, when you put the power to the people, and that takes away their power. Right. When we're able to work together and do things that we're able to do to make our lives better, um it's it's going to take that away and i've been li- oh man um somebody put me onto the uh, joe rogan podcast with uh, alex jones oh i can't listen to and, that guy i've tried it, the thing is is that um joe is able to put the reins on him yeah. a little bit and control and steer him and use uh alex jones has a a brilliant mind his able for his ability for data retention and regurgitation yeah is just but he has no Filters. <laughs> yeah, he just goes on and on and on and on and on. And Joe's like, whoa, you can't just say that. Back it up. I mean, and uh, I recommend if if you listen to any Joe Rogan podcast or if you listen to any Alex Jones, listen to that one and listen to it objectively. Yeah. Love him or hate him. Go in even hating him. He's going, I will probably continue to hate him, but listen to what they have to say. It's at the very least very entertaining and interesting. I listened to the Elon Musk. That Joe one was Rogan. really cool. I listened to that one, then the Alex Jones one, back to back. Oh. And then they both talked about AI. Yeah. Terrified me. <laughs> me Terrified too. me with the bio, uh, <clears throat> with what Alex Jones was talking about, the uh, cyber, cybernet- cybergenics, cybernetics, the cyber, uh, and, and uh, like, there's technology out there. They didn't talk about this, but there's, they're able to link it. Have you ever, have you ever watched Black Mirror? I've cut a few episodes. It's yeah, a pretty cool one, show. There's one where they have the optic thread where you have the... Is that the memory one where they can rewind? Device? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I've seen that one. Uh, they're pretty close to being able to do that. Yeah. To have a heads-up display linked in, like to have that bio... 
Biotechnological. Neural link is what yeah. Elon's working on, right? So yeah. he says the problem right now is that we're cyborgs, but the information's in the internet. We can't get mm-hmm. it into our head fast enough because we have to read it or we have to listen to it. Yeah. And then so it takes however many hours Dump. to listen yeah. to a podcast or to read a book. And what Alex Jones is saying is that they're only going to make that available to the elite. Yeah. Well, that doesn't surprise me. So what I'm hoping is that they make it available to the elite. It turns into a Black Mirror episode <laughs> where the realization of how evil they are uh, corrupts the system. Sort of like when in Indiana Jones, they opened the Ark of the Covenant and he was just filled with all this right. power and melted their faces. Yes. Or the, oh, cause now you're totally changing my mind. Because the whole time I'm like, if they need a test monkey... I'm the test monkey. Oh yeah, sign me up. Sign me up. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The like the what was that with Brad? Um, oh, what's his name? Sings Shadow with ah. TV show movie. No, uh, he's an actor. He was in Hangover. Hangover. Uh, is it Brad? He wrote the song. I uh, can't Shadow think of with with oh Lady Gaga. <laughs> he, he does a duet with her. Eric, help me out, man. He's Googling right now. He's on the phone. He'll figure it out. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, he was in... Google Lady Gaga... Shadow. Uh, Shadow. He wrote the song. Hmm. I'm ashamed. <laughs> my daughter would be so mad at me. I'm so not a music my guy. My most recent girlfriend. Brad Cooper. Brad Cooper. Brad Cooper. There you go. He was in that movie where they had that pill. Made him smart. <laughs> You know that one. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there's a there's a whole bunch like that where it's I I would love to be able to do that. Yeah. Increase my capacity, increase my mental ability, decrease my most emotional instabilities and we we try it all the time. Like my wife being a holistic nutritionist, we're like she's like, I'm gonna give you this supplement. Try it for a month. B twelve. And tell you B twelve works great. You yep. know what works really good? Alpha brain. So I've tried every kind of like mental stimulation you can that's legal that I can work on. Right. And uh, like the B twelve is it's okay. And there's another one called three brains and it's okay. Like you, you feel better on them. Right. Alpha brain is amazing. Really? Like, I feel like a superhero on that stuff. No kidding. Mentally. Like my cognitive ability, my memorizational skills, to be able to regurgitate everything that came in there mm-hmm. is amazing when I'm on Alpha Brain. Man. It's expensive. It's like 40, 50 bucks a month. But Oh, no um, kidding. Yeah, like to do the full dose that they talk about. And you can do it. It's all natural. So you could do six a day or eight a day, 10 a day. It doesn't matter. It's not going to mm-hmm. hurt you. You'll make it a, a nice and flesh out of it, but you're not going to get it's okay. not going to wreck you. Interesting. Yeah. Have you had a niacin flush before? No. So vitamin B3, I think it's B3, is, is uh, niacin. Okay. And so what happens, you know that feeling of embarrassment where you kind of get hot and flushed? Imagine that over your entire body and then I pins and needles. I wonder if I have, because I do a multi-B. Yeah. Just take a high dosage of vitamin B3 niacin. Um, and like you get this hot, like it almost hurts. Uh, you get used to it after a while. But uh, they huh. say there's, and we don't know if this is true, but a lot of people were saying that if you take high doses of vitamin B3, the niacin, um, and you don't get the flush, you're probably psychotic. You can get rid of that, Eric. Um, uh, that, that they're linking that with people that are psychotic. They don't get the flush. 
Turns out my really? wife doesn't get the flush. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, she's, oh, how but nice. she's super nice. <laughs> so <laughs> it was very sweet. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah, I'm not ragging on my wife. She's pretty awesome. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, the um, it, it, it's amazing. So if you want to have something to perk up to help you um, sort of stabilize, hmm. um, order Alpha Brain. I, it, I order it when when we feel like it, or when my wife doesn't want me to try something else. But I'll yeah, read into that for sure. It's amazing, and and we've even done it where we've taken all the stuff that they've done and sort of mixed it on our own. Like just take this pill, and you this want pill, this the pill. same thing. No, not at all. The eh? Alpha Brain worked way better. Well, what about the bioabsorption? And maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe yeah, it's the levels that they've got, but they've perfected it. Like okay. I'm not the science guy at all. But you my, felt it. I felt, felt it a hundred percent. Like wow. I'm very aware of. I've had massive car accidents and pains and aches and mm-hmm. tears, and I did MMA for a while, and so I'm very aware of everything that happens in my body physically. Physically, yeah, I, think I get the distracted LSD. by that from sometimes. Yeah, the LSD. You know what? I think. Yeah. I have a low level regret. I've never tried that. Yeah. Because now I got a guy with my age. <laughs> I just I. Uh, it's almost a fear thing. I, again, I still. You're I'm a wor- dad. I'm working on site. Yeah. And I, that's an eight hour commitment as well. So it's just like it, it I don't is. I don't know if I have those kinds of blocks of time in my life right now. Well, it's the same thing with drinking. Like I I just don't get loaded anymore because I I gotta you know that we're doing stuff with the kids or I got a podcast. I don't want to be hung. Like there's always yeah. a thousand things to do, and I'm like, that's, well, I, that's one of the reasons I decided to quit drinking. That and uh, there was one day I just had off, and I thought I'd oh I'll get get some booze hammered. and play some. <laughs> Well, not get not get hammered, but it wound up happening where it just like, oh no, this should last me three days. This bottle, no <laughs> one. I'm like, that's wrong. There's a problem. This is a, this is a problem. Yeah. I'm, and uh, rather than oh, I'll try and cut it back. No, just why just why drink it all? Yeah. Just don't. And the part of it is that, and I was talking to uh, Brett Forte. He's he's opening this this weekend. Tremendous comedian. Um, laugh shop this weekend, Calgary. Laugh, laugh shop this weekend. Come on down. <laughs> Probably here in this two weeks after. One week after. That's fine. That's fine. Keep an eye out for Brett Forte. Keep an eye out for Jason Fredrickson. That's me. Tracy McDonald. Tracy McDonald. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's a tremendous. Matt Billen's coming up as well. Cool. I recommend talking with him. He's a really funny guy. Laughshop.com. He, he has a lot of stories. Yeah. I guarantee he's met everybody. Um, I met George Carlin with him. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. a while back. Cause he, yeah. How long ago did he pass? Four years ago? Oh, at least. I Five years? Yeah, I more. can't remember. Yeah. One of the greatest I of all think. times. Yeah. Actually, yeah, he, probably he's the... A, he's an icon of comedy. McLean and McLean and George Carlin were the first two comics I ever listened to, and it was on records that I found at my, uh, my dad's no uh, record player. So he used to play comedy stuff at their house parties when I was nice. little. Um, and we were never allowed to be there. It's like kids go to the basement or sleep over yeah. to friends or you're going to grandma's. Um, and then I would come back home and I would find all these records and start playing them while they're all passed out, hung over. Yeah, learning. sleep until noon. George Carlin and McLean and McLean. McLean and McLean is yeah. probably like, I've got the fondest memory of that. Absolutely. Two. My parents had, there's a Bill Cosby record. Son of a... And uh, <laughs> Nestor Pister. Oh. If you've ever heard of Nestor Pister, oh my God. Yeah. Canadian, uh, I've not like I've had to Wikipedia, and it's just he's gone. He's gone into obscurity, but uh, originally from Manitoba, I believe. Okay, he did this uh, Ukrainian accent. 
It was great. He had some great, hilarious jokes. Who was the guy that sang uh, One-Eyed, One-Horned, Flying Purple People Eater? Steven. Steven. Um, he also did Guitars In. Another great Canadian comic. He did mostly songs. Wasn't was really? Yeah, he's a one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater. Yeah, we used to sing that in yeah. school. Wooly. Who? Sheb Woolley. No, that's the name of the song, or the it's not the comedian. It's Stephen something. Dang. Anyways, that's what happened. Forgetting that's old Sheb Woolley. <laughs> I don't think that's correct though. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. But anyways, yeah. I, that's another one that they had on record that I listened to a million times. And they had Ahab the Arab that he oh, sang. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, those were great. Bro, not great for a 10-year-old to be listening to by himself. Probably but. not. No. <laughs> they were so funny, though. I'm just realizing, I'm like, we were talking about drinking and we got into this oh, conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, I don't know Ray if I... Ray Stevens. Ray Stevens. Ray Stevens, that's yeah. It. That's yeah. yeah, I know that name. That's too funny. Yeah. Now we want to download memories. that album now and find uh, yeah. some of those songs. You can have it as part of the extro on yeah. this one. <laughs> when we're talking about it. They make a big deal about LSD music on this thing. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Like, you can't. Oh, play. yeah. The copyright. I've had personal stuff that I've uploaded to, like, YouTube. Yeah. As a private video that I just wanted to show other people. Yeah. No. We're gonna. We took out the sound. I'm like, why? You have to tell them, and you have to send them signed permission from the artist. And so, like, we had Ryan McMahon on here, and he's like, "Do you want me to sing?" And I'm like, "I don't think it's a good idea. It's like so much work to be able to get this to actually play online." Is it royalty free? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And he's a great singer. I love. Like, I love listening to him. You should check him out when he's in Calgary. But but even without, even if he gave you verbal permission, then and it was his song, whatever, it like it gets caught. Yeah. It yeah, because they have bots that just go yeah. and search it's every great. video, yep. yeah. and then he'd he'd have to spend like an hour filing out a claims. That That's right, yeah. and you get advertising for it on your Facebook. But I could do I could do <laughs> your whole <laughs> I could do your whole set, and no one would care. That seems unfair. <sighs> Sort of. Yeah. I encourage people to do that. You know what? That's a good question. So there's bands across the world that the cover bands. They just do Elvis and Metallica and ACDC, and Mm -hmm. they make a great living doing other people's music. That is never going to happen in comedy. Uh, It's not a lot. It's discouraged. It's frowned upon. Yeah. It happens. I was listening to There's definitely some swarmy guys. Here's what happens. There's a... I was listening to a podcast. It was Ari Shafir's podcast, and he was—I forget who he was talking to—but there was somebody over in Europe that had stolen his guest's material that was doing it verbatim, word for word, yep. over in another country. Too. Yeah, and it's like, oh my god! Like he—they weren't even trying. Yeah, and it's just—you have to step it out. It's like you know, you got to stop this. He was talking about how he did it one time to one kid that was new. Yeah tore into him and he, he owned it right away oh, you're right I'm garbage whatever it's a little, I don't know if you needed to go that far yeah but then there's some people that just blatantly hack yeah like it's it's horrible Carlos Mencia yeah stole off of Rogan Cosby no he didn't steal off Rogan I don't oh, think I he th- stole off of Ari Shafir the joke was about uh, you know Trump wants to build a wall well who do you think is going to build the wall <laughs> <laughs> And, and that, that was, was Ari Shafir's joke. Carlos Mencia stole it. But you look at Carlos Mencia's stuff. Yeah. Brian Redband has put some stuff online, I believe, 
where there was one bit that uh, Cosby did about the Heisman Trophy, about this kid that, you know, his dad puts in all the work, takes him practice, to th- shows him how to throw the football, buys him equipment, da 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 Winds up winning the Heisman Trophy, and on television, he's, hi, Mom, first thing. <laughs> and so that's the joke. Yeah. Carlos stole it almost word for word. Wow. And it was they were both televised. They were both yeah. recorded. And so it was just... I can see how it like could happen for accident, by accident, right? I, there's parallel thought. Yeah. There's similar jokes. But word but for word. That was just word for word. Are you picking up my stomach on the mic? <laughs> I don't think it, so. It's growling. Okay. <laughs> it's like, wow. It's, just it's a strong cup of coffee yeah. I gave you. <laughs> it's good. I, I should have ate more breakfast as well. Yeah. And there's, there's examples like that. There's yeah. a guy in Saskatchewan that they posted stuff up where they went back and forth between one comedian and his set and then another comedian, like off of uh, television, yeah. special, and then a comedian in Saskatchewan, verbatim. But it doesn't stop these guys, and it's just like, uh, it's sort of like the drunk heckler. Yeah. Like, you can show them that they've lost. You get everybody against them to tell them that they've lost. Yeah. But they still pretend like they're not a loser. <laughs> I heard it was really common practice back in, you know, like probably the 60s and 70s for comics to use each other's material because it wasn't so widely published. If it's shared, that's one thing. Yeah. I've exchanged jokes. I know, and I haven't used it actually, but Matt Billen and I, we exchanged a joke and I forget what it was. What I, I forget what I gave him and he gave me. He, he actually said, if I get that one, I'll give you this one. I'm like, okay. Because <laughs> I gave him a, uh, I, I helped work out the the punch on I forget how it worked out but the joke was that in Vancouver um what was it if you look there are no Asian homeless people in Vancouver I work yeah. security. Like you, you go anywhere. Yeah. You oh, go yeah, anywhere. Yeah, yeah. There's no, like, th- there's a a large number of Asian population in Vancouver. Yeah. So, uh, you know, people talk about that. And, but if you look, there's no Asian homeless. Yeah. Like, if you go over to Japan, China right now, all the homeless people, white crackheads. Seriously? No, I don't know if that's the <laughs> okay. case. But it's just like, joke. there's no Asian homeless people. <laughs> that, that's the joke. And I think it, I said that that's uh, how the joke goes, is it's a testament to uh, their race. Yeah. Like, I think they're very tenacious, and I, I think it's amazing. Like, I was so perplexed by this phenomenon, though, that I went online, went on Google, and I typed in Asian bums. <laughs> I was there for hours. I bet. And I did not see a single Asian homeless person. Yeah. I thought a couple maybe. (laughs) I worked Vancouver's Chinatown as a security guard for two years. Right. I patrolled the streets. So have you ever been to Vancouver? That's Mm -hmm. that's a nasty place. It's like... Is that the, near Hastings? Like Maine and Hastings. Well, yeah, yeah. The 200 block Pender, Kiefer. That's that's my area that I used to patrol the streets in. I've I've been there at night. Went to visit a guy up in his... uh, his loft. Yeah, yeah. And then he had to unlock a chained gate and yeah. lock it back up. Dude, uh, I've seen some of well, what the cops see. Like, talk to any cop that works in Vancouver. Oh, VPD. man. It is horrific down there. Crazy stuff. But there's no Asian and homeless guys. Right. <laughs> that, was it, that was it. I'm just like, no. And it was more of a celebration of, yeah. of that community. 
Um, I don't know if I could get away with saying that on, <laughs> on stage or, or a podcast. We'll see. Yeah. Any letters? Emails. We don't get we don't get smack. Nothing on this no, show. No. Yeah. No, I'm, and it's not coming out from a disparaging place. No. I'm not meaning to criticize. If anything, it's a celebrate. And it they, was a joke. The end. The joke was googling Asian bums. That's a. <laughs> those are bad search words. <laughs> Together, that's the joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The um, uh, but we share. Sorry, that, to go back to the original point, that we shared that joke. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you can use that because I had sort of worked it out with him, and I really liked that. And I think he took one that I think eventually on stage just it fell flat. <laughs> sort of <laughs> you got, got a better I, trade. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I, I stopped using that joke. I might try to re- 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 rework that it. and put that back in. <laughs> but uh, it, if there's a conversation, if there's a discussion, yeah, share away. Yeah. Uh, I had another, I have this Burt and Ernie bit, Sesame Street. And it's, um, there is parallel thought, obviously, that's able to be there. But I had worked it out to such a point where just like I had stomped like every detail that I could into this joke. So anybody that else, like even if it was parallel thought, it's like good luck trying to get this joke out. (laughs) And I heard there was a guy that was doing it for a while. I haven't heard it since, but it's just like, yeah, it's frowned upon. They're, they're called hacks, and yeah. people try and freeze them out. It's terrible. Is the Bert and Ernie joke about gay guys? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we about the allegedly, yeah, I, I brought it out last night, and, and there was some sensitivities around there, and I... I oh, no. I still, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it isn't, again, it's not meant to be disparaging. It's meant to right. hold a mirror up to the people that think that... By eliminating something because they disagree with it, yeah, how ridiculous that is. I had a great opportunity. I don't remember the comic's name, but there was a comedy um, like tour through Calgary. They were hitting all the pubs and bars and Simon Valley Ranch. We went out there to watch a comedy show one night, and the guy you could tell they were just working out material that they were going to do in the the comedy show, the big one in in wherever they were doing it. Okay. So, anyways, we went to the show. It was like ten bucks to get in, and they had I don't know six or seven comics there, and they all did like twenty minutes. It was a great night. Okay. And this guy gets up there and starts doing. Um, jokes about spanking babies <laughs> oh geez it was so funny i nearly wet my pants but there was about a dozen people in that bar that got up because they left get the in visual the in their head about hitting a right. baby and, and they this can't th- get around the words and, for and this the guy joke. hit it bang on so when the show was done he came off i asked if i could buy him a beer i just enjoy talking to people yep. and he's like yeah so he sat down and he was like kind of unleashing, like, I can't believe those people got up and left. And I'm like, dude, that was so funny. Like, you yeah. nailed it. But that's There's what you guys do for a living is you guys, with that you make fun the of the time. worst things possible. That's yeah. what makes it funny. Well, we want Who's to. going to hit a baby? Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> right? right? <laughs> so don't sincerely do that. Yeah. God. Yeah, there's just, I, I have a hard time understanding how those people think and i think i i get so wrapped up yeah in the sensitivities of those people that it's caused me to turtle a bit they can withdraw. steal from your show like that's the stuff that i think it mutes it it does diminish it and it's just like the confidence comes from this is what i want to say yeah and that's i there was a time when i was like back a certain time ago a decade ago yeah when i wrote the majority of my material well, that came out, and now it's just sort of been modified and tweaked in a smaller amount. I've written 
you know, probably an extra 20 minutes or so, but it's all tucked around existing jokes. So people are like, you haven't written anything new. I was like, no, but I've (laughs) been perfecting all this other stuff. Right. And if you look, there's, you know, every year there's another 10 minutes, another 20 minutes that are are tweaked in there. Yeah. And, uh, but I think it's taken away from that confidence of, I want to tell people this. I want to throw this out there. I want to let people know my story and what I have to say because it'll help in whatever way. I'm using this as a sounding board even right now (laughs) because I'm I'm on that cusp of like, what do I want to do right now? Where do I want to go with this? Because there's something, I uh, honestly, I think there's something big and I talked to other people. I was a guy last night that he's seen me since I've started out. He's a manager at the hotel. And uh, I was joking, and people are like, are you going to have a Netflix special? I'm like, I don't know about that. And I'm like, uh, uh, I don't, like, he, Sean's seen my stuff. He's, he's, uh, he can, he can say that I, I should have a Netflix special. He goes, you write that new hour, that'll be a Netflix special. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, like that, you know, normally these are the guys that just sort of, you know, troll you, <laughs> try and <laughs> stick it to you and, and prank you and, and do stuff like that, but, but. To hear stuff like that from uh, friends to say, no, do it, because yeah. it's there. Just well, bring it out. Do you think it's the the fear of losing the comedy? So, like, with doing something that people might find offensive or they, they, they might um, not like, and it takes you a while. Like, a joke doesn't come out perfect. You can no. write as best you can, but yeah. you have to play it in front of the crowd, so you got to you you know, eat shit a little bit. You try to get as close as you can out, out of the gate. Right. But then you learn something from putting it on stage. So is there a fear there that's preventing you from hitting that, that oh, yeah, material you want? It's some sort of fear in my mind. Yeah. It's some sort it's my own insecurities that are blocking me from being from doing that. Yeah. And that's with any comedian. With anything in life, it's like the reason you're not doing something is because you're scared of something. Yeah. And that's well, how un- outrageous that's- are you allowed to be in your own mind? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just like... Because um, you're thinking it. Oh, man. This place, <laughs> something should not be said. Yeah. And I know it. I'm like... I, but yeah. you're a comic. There's You You can find a way to say them. There is a way. Yeah. Uh, I'm still a huge advocate of uh, Louis C.K. What yeah. he did was... He did some stupid things, but then I'm still looking at that. I'm like... When he was okay. young. No, really? no. The past couple of years. Well, wasn't it like five or six years ago that he did the offense? Not even. Oh, I thought it was. I think it was ongoing too. Like he's oh, been, it's just okay. sort of a, I didn't a repeated behavior. Yeah. But that's what it was. And I th- believe like the conversations that he had was there's repeated consent. I'm still upset. If I found out my daughter had gone to a stand up comedian's hotel room for whatever reason, it's like you're going into his bedroom. Yeah. You're going into a place of uh, intimacy and privacy. And. Unless there's a group of you, yeah. mixed genders, what you're going into is... That's just good parenting, right? Protect yourself. Right. God, like I'm just, I'm sad and frustrated and disappointed. It isn't their fault. Right. It isn't their fault. Right. Whenever something like that happens... It's it, not uh, victim It's not shaming. their fault, but... And I, again, this goes back to having a platform to be able to speak up against stuff like this. And why didn't they? I don't know. I wasn't there. Yeah. But I find it incredible, incredibly frustrating where where are all the other people that have stepped forward? With Cosby, again, 70, 50 yeah. to 70. I, I, I lost count. As yeah. soon as it hits double digits, forget it. You're yeah. done. 
Um, they're even trying to, with Arlene Dickinson, like because she embellished in her book, they're calling into her, uh, her being on the stand into account. I'm like, you guys are assholes. Arlene, She's, the dragon, Arlene Dickinson. Only not Arlene Dickinson. Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Arlene, if you're listening. I just messaged. Oh, what's her, her name? Uh, the uh, the the one that had the court court case for uh, Bill Cosby. Anyway, the the model. Yeah. She had her TV show. And, I don't remember the name. She wrote her book. Yeah. And she embellished in the book. And it's a book. And that's what happens. It's, yeah. It's, it's nonfiction. Well, that's so. the problem with human beings. We don't remember well. Yeah. And trauma makes that worse. Mm-hmm. And so whatever he did, as horrible as yes. it is, it, it comes d- out he a broke million lots. times worse. He was charged. Yeah. He has court cases pending. A laundry list yeah. of a- accusers. I heard he's out doing comedy already. Louis? Louis Louis is. Louis is. Yeah. Yes. Cosby. Yeah. No. Pretty sure he's done. Yeah, OJ has a Twitter account that he's <laughs> firing up. I caught a little <laughs> bit of that. Wow! I, I had to cancel it. I anyway, just can't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another comedian, Gilson Lubin, he was talking about that, and I'm just like, what is with this guy? Yeah. Why? Like that's the cojones on him. But with Louis, yeah, he's out doing comedy. To me, he was able to bring out the darkest comedy and make it the funniest. And I think he, honestly, as far as writing goes, for me and my style of humor on what I appreciate as incredible writing, to be able to bring out something so horrific and make it so funny yeah, that he is a master of the craft. And I will... Jesselneck's uh, like that too, right? Anthony Jesselneck, yeah. Holy dynamite. Although his, his recent one, I'm just like, eh, I don't know. He sort of, he it was a bit of a departure a little bit from his first special. His first special I preferred yeah. over his second one. And yeah, uh, Daniel, Daniel Tosh. <laughs> Those are two that I categorized together. Yeah, yeah. This, the the uh, relentless, unapologetic misogyny. Yeah. Uh, Tosh is a more goofy, where Jesselneck is more like yes, stone faced like and like he he looks low mean. level evil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're jokes. Low. They are hilarious yeah. because I understand it's comedy. Right? They aren't. Maybe they are really like that. I expect <laughs> them to not be. I expect them to be sincerely right. good human beings to their close circle. Yeah. I don't expect that. They owe me nothing. You know, so yeah. if I went up to them and, hey, I'm a big fan, he could slap me in the face. <laughs> but I bet he would be like, you know what, thank you. Yeah. I bet he would be sincerely, genuinely appreciative yeah. of people that go up and give him sincere, genuine appreciation. Uh, not but if you go up trashing him. on him. Yeah, if you're objectifying him as a human yeah. being, you get what you deserve. Right. And that's I, I that, that goes anywhere. Right. You know? I 100% agree. You know what, uh, Jason? This has been awesome. I thank yeah, you so a lot much of for coming out. I think we're might have to do a part two one day. Eh? A little over an hour now. We can do okay. this as often as you like. I'm not even kidding you. Right. I on. will have you on any time. And uh, I'd love I, to come back. I'm gonna come back or come out tonight and check out your show. Please and, do. Yeah, uh, I'll put you on the list. Awesome. Awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. And uh, this is gonna come out after your show. We're gonna do a little video quickly afterwards to promote your show and Absolutely. put it on our I'm Instagram game. page. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, everyone, for sharing. Eric, you want to uh, go to outro? And goodbye. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. This podcast is over. <laughs>